Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Yay. Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. It's just me today. Mary is not here. I miss her so badly, but I have a great guest today. I'm really excited about Diane Tarantini is with us. She is a body safety educator in West Virginia schools, a survivor of child sexual abuse, and has just written an incredible children's book called The Brave Night. And it's illustrated by Jesse Herring. And I'm so excited to have you with us, Diane. This is going to be really fun. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> Good. Thank you for having well, me. I know we were just chatting a little bit um, before we hit record. And I already just feel like I'm in good company and our listeners are just going to love you. Um, you're just such an interesting person, but also you have a huge, huge heart. And I know a lot of that comes from your own story, but at, before we get into that, I just wanted to talk about your new book, The Brave Night. Um, would you say that this book is giving children the power to find their own voice? That's what I got from it. Yes, it's that. Yeah. It's absolutely that. Um, yeah. I love the story. And then I love that, that message that even when bad things happen, there is something you can do. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, um, I was reading some of the reviews and one of them, I felt like just nailed it on the head as to what I gathered from the book. It was from Robert Peters from the zero abuse project. Um, he said in the brave night, Tarantini articulates incredibly complex child abuse, grooming techniques and dynamics like desensitizing, desensitizing physical contact, isolation from support, love for perpetrators, disparity of social power. It's like, it's all in this little kid's book and I love it. And he says, somehow she does it in an age appropriate, non-threatening way, a brilliant, compelling and inspiring resource for kids and those who love them. And I just felt like that's exactly what it was because as I was reading this book and I read it this morning with my just turned seven-year-old son and it was such a really cool experience. I wanna get into that too. But um, yeah, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, she nailed that. And then this, and it's like all the things that we are teaching children, young people, honestly, it's even what the stuff I talk to college kids about, you know, yeah. about the grooming process and trust and, and noticing the red flags, it's all in there, but it's like, it's just like tucked in to like a dragon and a little girl. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And you said this came to you like overnight. Is that right? You woke yeah. up with this idea. So Robert Peters is the visionary founder and former executive director of SHIELD Task Force, which okay. is a nonprofit in West Virginia seeking to end child abuse. And um, I literally, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, I messaged him on Facebook because I knew that um, their nonprofit used, um, always try to use a survivor in their presentations mm -hmm. to connect with anyone in the audience that right. is in the same boat. Yes. And he came to me and said, you're a writer. Could you write a children's book that explains <laughs> to kids in a non-creepy, non-threatening way right. what grooming is? Uh, and I said, I 
I never thought I'd write a children's book, but I will try. And then we had to create a brainstorming and because they're shield task force, they wanted there to be a shield in the book. And oh, okay. um, we decided that the uh, antagonist would be a dragon um, and that the protagonist would be a girl. Mm-hmm. And the brave, brave knight would be the guy. This all follows classic story structure. Right. But then I, that night I go to bed pretty intimidated, overwhelmed and freaked out. Like, I don't know how to do this um, in a way that won't trigger or be gross. Yeah, absolutely. Make parents afraid. Yes. Um, so that was a Tuesday night on Saturday morning. I woke up with 1600 words fully formed in my brain. I went over to my computer pre-coffee and mm-hmm. I typed the whole thing. I read it out loud to my husband. He goes, I don't even know how you did that. And I sent wow. it to Robert and he's like, it's perfect. Wow. And I, I believe it's an allegory and that children will experience it one of two ways. Either that character turned out to be a not good friend. Or they will say, those things are being said to me and they're being done to me. Absolutely. And the little girl told a safe adult, so I'm going to do the same. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm hoping that it'll either be a cautionary tale or it will be revelatory to a young person. I think it's both. And I think, you know, based on the child who's reading it and where they're at, it's what they are going to need at that moment in time. And I just, I think it's what you've said about how it's not triggering. It's not creepy, you know, cause I mean, I dive in with my kids, any listener here knows, like I talk to them about this kind of stuff when they're coming out of the womb and I'm unapologetic about it because I think even bad information is better than no information at all. So even if I'm screwing it up, at least we're talking about it. However, um, I just think most of the books that I have even read to my children, I mean, they go in on the touching and it's like, you know, the uncle is touching her inappropriately and and like they go in on it. And sometimes it feels like a little bit much. And then I think about all these schools that I've gone to where there's so many parents who hate the idea of me coming and talking about sexual abuse and sharing my story and teaching them. There's so much resistance against sexual abuse education in our world. And this book is able to, you know, discuss all of the topics that we want to discuss, you know, the sharing of the secret. My son pointed out when the dragon, and I don't want to give this book away because I really do want all of our readers to get it, but I mean, the dragon and the girl are besties. And then suddenly the dragon turns and that's where you realize the bestie part was a setup. It's all the grooming. And then when the dragon comes in and says, don't tell your mom about this fun time that we had and then start and said, if you do something bad will happen. So that's number two. And then once he started giving the girl gifts, that's when my son stopped me. He literally turned seven or last week. He stopped me and he said, oh, mom, this dragon's bad. I knew it. 
I was like, okay, yes, like winning, right? And it was really cool because it opened up that conversation. And I, so I asked him why. And another thing I love, Diane, is at the end of the book, you have questions to ask the children. So it's very easy for parents who are like, oh my God, like, okay, I'll read this book, but then I don't know how to talk to my kids. Well, you can, because it's easy. You've made it easy for them. There's literal questions in the back of the book to lead you in a conversation. And again, it doesn't even, the word sexual abuse is not even in there. That's what I love. I know. So, I know. Yes. So it comes out if yeah. it needs to, yeah. but even if, if not, like you're just recognizing, you know, the world we live in and there are people that are close to you that are not safe. And so just the idea of safety for children is so important, but my son, I wrote it down. He said later in the book, he said, what, what if he was, what if he was bad the whole time? I thought that was a really good point too, because yes, a lot of times these abusers, they start out great. And then we think, and then they turned and they changed. And my seven-year-old was like, but what if he was bad the whole time? Realizing that it was all a trick. It was a planned game. And this is something that we talk a lot about. I don't know if you know this, but I run eight week support groups online. Uh, Unleashed? Yes. Yes. Unleashed. Yes. Okay. And so one of the weeks is called wolves. And we talk about how so often abusers are, they are planning this and it's very hard. I think for survivors to grasp that, that they were chosen, that this was a planned thing, that it didn't just turn. And I thought your book did a great job of really illustrating that. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I love that you like the resources. My daughter is um, a grade school teacher. And I asked her to write the, um, the discussion questions and the extension activities. Cause at okay. a teacher training, um, Robert Peters and I were asked like, what if you have a first year teacher mm. and she brings her classroom to body safety education assembly, takes them back to the classroom, <laughs> thinks that there's probably a kid or two in her class that falls under this circumstance. And she has no idea what to do. Mm. So I put the discussion questions in there for educators, for parents, Mm. uh, for any, anyone who works with kids. Yeah. Because it really is just discussion. I mean, where else can we get information on children, what they're worried about, what they're scared of, what they're feeling, how, where their anxieties lay, unless we're just getting in their world and asking them questions. And that's what this book does. It's not just like this, 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 do this, do this, black and white. It's like, there's so much nuance and gray in this topic, especially for children, because they don't know what the heck is going on in these relationships. Yeah. But it helps to open up that conversation. I mean, gosh, I think back to when I was, you know, from my whole childhood up until 14. I mean, from the early age of four, my earliest abuse memory until 14, there were so many times where I wish someone had asked me something, you know what I mean? Just ask me like, what's your relationship like with your stepdad? I mean, something so simple or like, why do you not want to go? Why do you not want to go home for Christmas break? So simple. It has nothing to do with sexual abuse. It's just getting into my world and then giving me an opportunity to say, well, you know, I don't feel safe at home. (laughs) Okay. Then the next, you know what I mean? Like, it's just when I'm, it's when I listen to you, when I listened to your story and um, you talked about how 
you didn't even know it was wrong right. until you saw your mother's reaction. Is that that's when right. it happened for you? That's right. Yeah. I hinted and I to think the parents fact. have so much power yeah. to tell kids um, to build their world. Mm-hmm. This is right. This is wrong. This is what everybody's doing. And oh man, I was, uh, I was so furious at your stepfather for, for giving you that false illusion that this is yeah. what dads do with their girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think that's why body safety assemblies are so important because you establish you might like we in a, a gymnasium of school kids might be telling a whole lot of kids for the first time that anybody who touches you in your bathing suit areas, that's not what should be done yeah. to a child. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I related with the dragon being the voice in that girl's life. Cause you're like, she had a good relationship with her mom. Like you didn't talk about it, but you alluded to the fact that her mom was in the picture and, um, she wanted to, she wanted to tell her mom because she felt like, you know, what this dragon, the fun times, you know, she wouldn't have her, the girl's mom wouldn't have wanted her to go to these places without her knowing about it. But, um, but then you get the, the sense that the dragon's voice was so much louder. And that's how I felt as a girl where my stepfather's voice was louder than my mom's, but it didn't mean my mom was in the picture. I wasn't very close with my mom. I didn't trust my, I mean, my mom was my everything, but the dragon's voice was louder. And that's Mm -hmm. what I got. And so I was like, wow, like, yes, because you're worried about the dragon. You're worried about what, if what he said is really true and, you know, it just, it speaks to the need to have these conversations. And I think you just did a great, great job. I was going to say, I don't know if you picked up on it. Uh-huh. Um, the dragon and the girl's father were brothers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there was the familial component, right. which mm-hmm. you and I both work in child safety. What is the stat you hear about abusers being familial? Yeah, it's like 30% or 38, I think 38% is a parent figure, which is your circumstance. 90% know they're abuser. And then it's, it's like 30 some high thirties, almost half. Yeah. Yeah. Our family. Yeah. That was your circumstance. That was my circumstance. Yes. Um, And then everyone in the community loved this person. So the dragon was adored. I mean, he, you know lit the campfires for everyone and he picked the apples from the tree so all of that it was just like every sentence I was like this was this mattered that what she's saying in this sentence matters like everything you were painting a picture um of what these situations look like yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but like I I literally often will tell people who are super psyched about the book I have a hard time accepting credit for this Cause it feels like I am the vessel, the conduit, like yeah. it was a gift to me and I now must steward it well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that's how most artists feel. Oh. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's how it is. We've been given this gift. We use it. We use it for 
everyone else, you know, but you, you did a great job. I am really excited about this. And I know you've said it many times, like you just want to get it into all the West Virginia schools. And I'm thinking, I want to get it in literally every school. Why are you just focusing on your state? Like, this is the best children's book on this topic I've ever read. (laughs) Um, oh, I really, really appreciate that from a mom, from a survivor and from someone, a child safety expert. Mm-hmm. I've now heard people say, I, I mean, when you go to promote a book, it's kind of like a sales job, but it, it, I'm guessing your books are like this. When you believe in what you've written um, so much, it's, it's when so many people say every child, every girl needs to read this. You believe it. And yeah, I don't want to stop stop at West Virginia stop at West Virginia. I do want to <laughs> every um yeah, but you know that ambitious women sometimes <laughs> aren't well received. So I, I'm just doing the baby steps. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, I mean, I'll do my best as well to help you. But you just you just brought up a really good point in that you are also a survivor. And so I wonder yeah. if you'd be willing to share a little bit of how you know, your story sort of weaves itself into this story, um, or just gave you the, the power and the drive to do it. Um, and, and also has it been hard for you? I read on your website, um, since you were like in fourth grade or something, you wanted to go to counseling and write a book. And I think that's really cool how, I mean, for me, that's, it just goes together. I mean, I've written three books and a few films and I have to be in counseling while I'm doing all of that. So I'm just wondering, how does it mingle with your personal story? Um, that has always been with me. Um, so it makes me, I don't know if you ever had a counselor that had you, um, draw out a timeline of key points in your life to, because I was like, I'm not, 100% sure when it started, like how old I was, but because this thought has been in my brain for decades, ever since the fourth grade, I know how old is a fourth grader? Is it your seven-year-old? No, no, no. 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 That would be like nine. Fourth grade would be like nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was younger than that. Um, Yeah. So Um, but, but to know someday I'm going to need a professional to help me navigate and heal. And, um, the very first book I wrote was the very first manuscript was a memoir manuscript. Um, but it's really hard to get published if you're not a celebrity or have a huge platform. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I had a really high level agent who didn't represent memoirists say, why don't you work on a different project? And then it would show agents, like, can you sell? Can you promote your work? Um, And she, gosh, she was so gracious. She told me exactly what the book should look like. And I started working on it. But then Robert comes in and says, can you do this children's book? And it happened so fast. Um, And I just kept doing the next right thing, the next right thing, the next right thing. I think you asked if it was hard because I've done counseling and body work and art therapy and all, all these things um, and told the story so many times. I tell survivors, survivors are like, is it so hard? Are you still mad? Are you still mad or sad? I'm like, 
when you can tell your story without sobbing or being furious mm -hmm. or circling the wagons to your team, that was probably a really mixed metaphor. Um, <laughs> when you're sharing your story as a service to others, it's not to um, gain pity or props for yourself, yeah. then you're ready. Um, and so uh, the writing the book wasn't hard. Um, and then I made micro adjustments like, oh, I'm going to make the drag. I'm going to make the girl and the dragon related. Mm -hmm. um, then my brilliant cool girl illustrator, when I told her that she gave them the same face shape and bridge of the nose. Mm. Um, she, she offered up to the team like 10 shield designs and the, the design we chose is, um, is a narcissist flower. Nicole, do you know why it's a narcissist flower? Uh -uh. I didn't even know there was such a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like a daffodil. Um, okay. Because most abusers are narcissists. Right. Absolutely. And um, Jesse, the illustrator, is also a licensed professional counselor. Okay, very cool. Um, so okay, but what is a narcissist flower? I've never heard of this. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get like a bouquet of daffodils for like every narcissist yeah, I know. Or just Google image, <laughs> just Google images of narcissists. It looks like this. It looks like the shield. And oh. then, oh my gosh, um, this is just, you can edit this out if you think it's off topic. Okay. She has a friend who has a undergrad and a master's degree in puppetry. He's been one of the keynote speakers at Comic-Con. He made us a life-size life shield that we can take to events. It's really lightweight. Wow. So kids can take pictures with the shield. Okay. And it's the narcissist flower, but unless you like know enough about psychology to know why that's important. Um, yeah. A lot of psychologists really love that little little backstory piece. Yeah. Um, I'm about to Google but, it. Um, okay. So my daughter, Josie's an excellent editor. Like her minor was English. She was better than some other people, you know, like people that are related to you will say, it's awesome. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but she's like, mom here, the dragon has like kind of ruined her life. And you have her like immediately trusting the brave knight. I don't mm -hmm. think that's okay. So then I had to insert the backstory that the sisters say, like the sisters mm -hmm. say he's trustworthy because he saved the horses. He saved the young boy in the cave. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a really good point. And then um, someone yeah, else said, was the brave knight a survivor? I'm like, mm -hmm. um, that would be a really, yeah, that would be a beautiful addition. It was. Um, so it wasn't, it was 90% solid when it came from the literary womb, but then some micro adjustments, I think made it even stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I loved that in the end, I felt like the brave knight was a male survivor yes. that felt like just a perfect yes. explanation then of how he then gave her the strength to find her voice and her power to defeat yeah. her abuser. Yeah. It's and I wanted so boys good. to be able to resonate with the book, not just girls. That's right. Yes. I love that too. That's why I really liked about the ending of it. That's so good. Yeah. So I feel like 
you writing this book didn't feel triggering because it was fiction Mm -hmm. and it was for other kids. And so it was like a way for you to be a brave knight for other children. Yeah. 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 Um, as I was thinking about coming on the podcast today, uh, and hearing you talk about like not revealing, not disclosing till you were 12, Mm. it made me think, uh, years ago, my husband and I lived in DC and you get stuck in these major traffic jams and I'd listen to NPR radio. And I remember this, um, the survivor of, of abuse in the Catholic church. Um, he, he was young boy. Well, he was a grown then. But he said this thing, and I'm just like dying in traffic. Um, he said, I, I can't help but think if I told the first time, all the other times wouldn't have happened. Um, and I had that thought hundreds of times over my life. Okay. Um, and, and I just think, uh, if I can get, I was 35 when I disclosed, Okay. I just recently like disclosed, I told a few people, but disclosed and started counseling and antidepressants. Um, <laughs> so yes, the perfect combo. I just think if we can get kids, if, have you read the body keeps the score? Yeah. Love it. And you know, the fallout that happens with a survivor. Absolutely. Yeah. Self-harm, suicidal ideation, um, obesity, eating disorders, um, self-harm, drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, um, so much dysfunction. If, if we can just get kids to disclose sooner, um, we could prevent all, all of that, um, medical mm-hmm. and psychological damage right. that can happen over decades in a lifetime. Right. Yeah. We can get yeah. kids to tell when they're six instead of 46. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And just to notice, you know, how their body's feeling around a certain situation, noticing sort of the but red flags feeling. before it even happens the first time. Yes. You know what I mean? If we can, I mean, your book does such a great job of talking about the grooming process. The grooming process happens before the abuse happens. And so if we can help children to understand that and find their voice, that's amazing. It's so interesting when you were talking about, gosh, college kids could use this book. Mm -hmm. I literally, when I was looking, um, just diving into the children's literature world and I like looking at middle grade children's picture mm-hmm. books, um, trying to figure out where I fit. And I saw this E for everything rating, everyone rating. And I was like, that's what I would love it to be because yeah. I believe, yes, it was commissioned or like not even commissioned. It was the spark was given to me, um, to address sexual predators, but I believe that multitasks for bullying Friends headed down a bad path yes. and possibly potential bad date mates For sure. because of um, the friendship, the risky behavior, the breaking the rules, keep the secrets, isolation, um, the turn where everything goes bad. Yeah. And I, I do think there, a young person's brain isn't fully done. It's not fully baked until they're like 25. And I think this 
could cover a multitude of um, relational tragedies. Yeah. Just it if really does. I call it like in pandemic terms, I'm like, just read it to your kid once a year to inoculate them. Once <laughs> That's a year, right. inoculate them. <laughs> yeah. Because even as personal safety plans, mm-hmm. I was shadowing a policeman during the pandemic. I sat by his side while he was doing, um, he was doing um, Zoom, Zoom safety education assemblies. And he talked about the personal safety plan and how if you have one in place, it doubles mm-hmm. your chances of having a positive outcome in a negative situation. And then if you practice it, mm-hmm. your chances go up even more. Right. And everybody, I use this in, in um, body safety assemblies and even with grownups, you yeah. already have a personal safety plan. What do you do if your clothes catch on fire? That's right. Clifford, the yes. big red dog taught me to stop, drop and roll. Mm-hmm. And you get that then, in the back of the book. I read yeah. it to my son. And yes. I said, cause he literally, he just had this cause he's going to first grade. He just went to safety city in my town this summer. And so I was like, I read it. He said, if your clothes catch on fire, what will you do? He said, stop, drop and roll. And then I went on and I said, if a stranger gets in, asks you to get in the car, cause this is what you wrote in the back of the book, you will. And he said, I just went through all this stuff at safety city, mom. I know. I said, I know. So then tell me, what did they teach you? And he said, what to do if a stranger asks to get the car. And then the, the next one, you said, I skipped the nude photos once because yeah, I'm seven, not but ready. I went, I went to the last one. You said, if a relative friend or stranger asked me to keep a secret that I know is not okay, then I'll do what he goes. They never taught us that one. Whoa. Said, okay, that's why we're doing it now. See, they teach all these other things, but what about that one? <laughs> They're too afraid. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's why these books are important. Yeah. These conversations are important. Yeah. Our schools aren't teaching this stuff. They're afraid to. Yeah. That's why parents have to be empowered to do it. And it yeah. makes it so easy. Do you do body safety education in, yeah. in like middle school or high school and grade school? Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. I do too. I think it's um, really important because a lot of them, they've never even thought about it. They've never even talked about it. They don't know that other people don't have a right to their bodies or, you know, where they start and end and where someone else begins. It's like that they have a voice. It's all these things. I'm like, how? I know that that's how I felt when I was little, but it's 2022 kiddos. Like no one's teaching you this stuff. Right. But you're right. The right. educators don't, they, they're afraid or there's too much pushback or yeah. they're too overworked. It's, that's just not part of the curriculum. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we had a te- teacher say there's groups that do this. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to, they do it with excellence. And right. it's not another thing for a teacher to have to work into the day. Yeah. Why wouldn't schools do that? <laughs> I know, especially yeah. with the existence of Aaron's law, mm-hmm. your right. state 36, States are mandated. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of schools that like dodged out of that with the pandemic. Or they're like, oh, we'll cover it in homeroom. And the homeroom <laughs> teacher's like, I don't want to. No. This isn't no. my area of expertise. That's um, why yeah. it's been helpful for, I think, schools to bring in someone like you or I, where we can do the hard work and then the teachers can just follow up with the discussion questions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Like, um, 
all along, like probably all along my life, um, there's been little things that I'm good at mm-hmm. and I never knew why. Hmm. And now like the writing, being comfortable in front of hundreds of people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, like years ago at a, at a mega church, I, w- I tell you right now, I was the finest storyteller they had. <laughs> and I would train other storytellers. Um, but then we changed churches. And I even asked the old church, can I still do storytelling once a month? And they're like, sorry, no. But when <laughs> I did, when I did that, I felt like I am in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Hmm. And now that I'm doing like, so there was this void in my life. But then when I literally asked to shield task force, can I be one of your presenters? Um, I'm a survivor and I'm really good with kids and I'm really good in front of groups of people. Um, And they, they said, yes. And now here I am again, having that same feeling. Do you feel that way when you're in front of hundreds of kids? Mm -hmm. And it's like to use church language, it's the beauty from the ashes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the lemonade from the lemons. Right. Yeah. Um, I taught a writing of like, Oh, go ahead. Um, I taught a writing um, workshop with youth uh, in Virginia this summer and yeah. a girl interviewed me for a newspaper and she goes, what would you want kids to know? And I said, um, she goes, what if you could only say one thing? I said, um, don't, if something like this is happening, don't stay silent because mm-hmm. if you stay silent, they win. Hmm. And by implication, you lose. Um, so yeah, that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's the whole idea of like this shouldn't have happened to any of us, but it did, and we yes. will rise above it, and we will use the the giftings that we have yes. to change things for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm. yep. What a beautiful story, Diane. I'm just really Thanks. amazed at just your journey and your courage and just using your talents for this beautiful book. I hope everyone will find it. It's called The Brave Night. Yeah. And Diane, I just I want just to hear more and more from you. Like, is there anything maybe that you want to share that we didn't cover today or or just maybe a message that you would have for survivors who are still on this healing path and it just feels hard. And, you know, I think that healing is hard and it's lifelong and to hear someone uh, like you, who's gone through it and using their story for something powerful for children, I think is really inspiring, but yeah. Yeah. Um, back in 2009, I started blogging and then I took a pause for grad school. I got a master's in creative nonfiction and then I came back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of posts at dianetarantini.com. If you just like in a little search window, put in sexual abuse. Like I talk, I have one of my mo- more popular posts is like talking, um, having the birds and bees talk with your kids and doing it as a survivor. Yeah. You know, you're wow. like, I love that you say that you talk to your boys 
from the womb. Um, I wasn't ready to talk. Um, oh my oh gosh, this is the funniest story. Um, so we have three kids. It's girl, girl, boy. And so okay. middle child, Katie Brooke, she's a pistol. So she comes home. That's so much to have like a middle name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. Cody is so often boys. Yeah. And so people always assume she was a boy. So I just always tagged on the brook, but you're right. Yeah. That's cute. Middle names oh, are big. That's um, beautiful. But uh, I wasn't, I hadn't told either of them. Okay. You know, where babies were from. And she comes yeah. home like in kindergarten mm-hmm. saying, mommy, a boy kissed me on the, on the bus. And he told me where babies come from. Oh boy. He said that, oh, well, I won't tell the details. <laughs> I might have it in one of my blog posts because it's hilarious. So um, I then literally told her how it did happen. Um, and then I knew that I had to tell the older sister. So okay. she would, and I remember Josie was eight. Um, and so I had the plan in place. And then we're driving down the road and there is a, um, it's an, it's a, uh, a women's billboard and, um, it had the word rape in it. And my child said, what is rape? Wow. I was like, okay, now we tell, now That's we right. say, I, I like your approach a lot better from the get go. Well, I mean, it's very age appropriate, you know, yeah. we start out with, you know, secrets. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember. And, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Cody I just uh-huh. love though, letting them lead the conversation. Like it's yes. on the billboard. Now it's time. You know, you're okay. asking the questions. That means I think you're ready. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, with Trey, it was even earlier, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I would say you can start to see glimpses of my story on, um, the, the website uh, or on dianetarantini.com. But I will say, what led me to finally tell somebody who could actually help me? I was like you, I told my, I told my parents, I think when I was 15, Mm. um, because the offender had moved away. Okay. And I felt safe. Yeah. But then the offender moved back, was moving back and, um, into the area. And I was like, Oh dang, it's going to start again. Hmm. so um but I was not clear and didn't you say the same thing with you with your conversation with your mom yeah it was like you just tiptoe around the topic I tip how they're going to respond to it I tip, before yeah. you fully share yep yeah um and I mean it is what it is we said what we said I have I don't blame my younger self, dear younger me. Um, but uh, I wasn't clear. And so then I had to tell them um, again when I was pregnant with Cody Brooke, because, um, hmm. and then again, then I had to tell them again when I needed help because they never got it. And so yeah. the third time I told them, I told them in writing because I was like, you can't deny. words on a page. And I was Mm -hmm. asking them, I, you know, how, how expensive counseling is. Yes. I had drained our savings account with my husband's full support. And I was like, I, this is what happened to me. Mm. Um, 
and I now need you to babysit my kids while I go to counseling during the day and help pay for it. And yes, thankfully they did. But what got me to go. So the first time, I don't know if you've talked about this on the podcast, the first time I went, um, I went, oh my gosh, I did disclose to a friend, an acquaintance from a mom's group that Mm. I was, I called it, I was mean mommy. Mm. I was angry. Mm. I never hit a child, but I yelled a lot. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think I, I don't know that I told her why, but she's like, you need a happy, you need a happy pill. And she wrote down her doctor's um, contact information. And so I, I just went to him and I just said, I have anger issues. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. like this. And I went on an antidepressant, but then I went off the antidepressant when I want to get pregnant again with baby number three, they're like, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. But I'm like, I don't care. I'm going off of it. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, I now see the class action lawsuits for that particular antidepressant and pregnant women. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> glad I followed my intuition. Um, but so I thought with baby number three, a boy, um, that everything would be okay. And that, but the anger came back. And I went back to my dear, sweet doctor and I said, I need another script. And he's like, he said, okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Antidepressants are often just a bandaid for a deeper problem. Super wise doctor. He's like, Diane, is there a deeper problem? Wow. And so there was this silence in Mm -hmm. the room Mm -hmm. where I had to decide which was the greater good to keep my secret Mm -hmm. or to break it and get help. And so I told him and he like ripped off a prescription sheet and wrote on the back, like three different counselors. And he's like, this is what you need more than this. Yeah. And he goes, does your husband know? And I'm like, well, part of it. He goes, he needs to know everything. He's like, and it takes a month for these drugs. Well, we already had that. It takes a month for the drugs to start working. Um, But back then he'd say, call me anytime. If you, if I can help you in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was lucky in the first counselor I had was a good counselor. Good. Yeah. Yeah. She said all the right things, which you've mentioned. And, yeah. um, I believe you, right. it wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. This is, was, this stuff wasn't okay. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. You weren't protected. Um, whatever you did the, the best line. And I've had counselors come up to me and say, oh, I need to add this in whatever you did to survive. Mm-hmm. I support you 100%. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that looked like. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We need to hear that. Yeah. yeah. There's so much shame, even in just the coping. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I'm so glad you found a good counselor. You know what I love about what you just shared, Diane, is how you, it's so common that we hint to our abuse to people that we feel like could save us or could 
be supportive, but we're, we're afraid to totally tell it all because we don't know if they're going to respond appropriately. So you tried and then you tried again and then you tried again. And so that's the first part. I'm just so just inspired by that because it's hard to feel like they didn't catch it the first time. I don't trust them to try again, but you did anyways. And then the other part is that when you've really told it was in writing and you told them what you needed from them. I think so often we just, we want the person that we're sharing with to know what to do, but they don't know. Yeah, Honestly, especially not our parents' generation. They don't know what to do. Yeah. They need yeah. to be told. And mm-hmm. you very frankly told them, I need this, this, and this from you because this yeah. is what I'm doing. So it's really helpful for me to stand up in front of a body safety assembly and say, shield task force did a really great thing. They made three different, um, child safety videos. One Mm -hmm. is mine. I'm talking about, I think I say it's a family member. It's an older child. Um, and then the second one is online safety. And the third one, God bless America. This woman is one of the strongest, most courageous people I know. She's in West Virginia. She was sexually trafficked in California for three dang years. So we show all three of those videos. We're not like, we're not playing here. We are not showing little cartoon people. We have four real survivors. But when I stand up there, I'm like, okay, you guys, if the first person you tell doesn't help you, you need to tell again. And let me give you a little pro tip. I told the same people three times. Mm -hmm. I should have gone to the next person on my list, but please, you all learn from my, my experience. Um, Just have an arsenal. Don't stop at five, have 10 safe adults and just keep asking. Yeah. Just keep telling what's going on because, you know, sometimes I even tell what a mandatory reporter is. I'm like, there are so many people that are obligated by law to help you. That's right. So just find those people, the teacher, the pastor, gymnastics coach, your piano teacher. Yeah. So I, I try, I tell my experience. Um, Mm -hmm. each time it seems like, like, we often have listeners from another nonprofit that will attend our assemblies so that if a kid needs to disclose right now, mm-hmm. there's a safe person, go to the people with the lanyards. Um, and I'll say to the listeners in the room, I'm like, you guys have never heard me tell this story. Um, I'll tell you one right now. It's so embarrassing, but you know, I say I'll be as undignified as necessary to help people. Like one thing I learned this from body, the body keeps the score. You can hold on to child behaviors. Oh, Nicole. Mm. Um, I sucked my thumb into my thirties. Yeah. I sucked my thumb into my thirties. I used to not want to go on girls weekends or women's retreats because I was like, if I share a room or a king size bed with a lady and she wakes up and I'm sucking myself. Oh, Diane. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's people who wet the bed. Absolutely. Um, there's people who yeah. drink out of bottles. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just even kind of fortified that I said that, but you can keep it on. No, but um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we all have our thing. All of us. Have I that bit thing my nail like- till I was 18. Thank God I stopped that. 
Um, but now, you know, now I know why I bit them down. Right. To it's like, can um, we, can we say that thing out loud? That's so embarrassing and hard knowing it was part of our survival and it was rooted in our trauma and just have love and compassion for that 30 year old version of us, you know, whatever yes. version it was that was caught up in that cycle of trying to comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another pro tip I would give people is your girlfriend, isn't your therapist. Your best friend mm -hmm. is not your therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend. I, she's still my friend. I've never told her like how offensive I found this, but she said she didn't know my truth. And she's mm -hmm. like, nobody needs to pay for a counselor. I kid you not. I sat yeah. in church and heard a pastor say that yeah. I heard a pastor say counselors are rent of friends just come to me and my wife and we will counsel you okay narcissist and there were three counselors in the congregation that day oh and one God. of my friend's husband was one and he never went to church again no but so here's the thing there's this thing that's called secondary trauma like mm -hmm. we can traumatize our friends by literally giving TMI too much information. That's right. Yeah. And you just emotionally vomit on them and then yeah. they don't know what to do with it. That's they right. can't help you. They are not trained. That's they right. are not trauma-informed therapists. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it might friends be a great can take you step. so far, you yes. know, it like the friendship good, is good support. Yeah. It might be a good first step. But, um, but the deeper you levels, more. that's you right. Much more. Yeah. And it can damage the friendship that can be supportive yeah. while you're in therapy. Like you need that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you're putting all the stuff that needs to be in the counseling office yeah. on the friendship, now you're yeah. damaging the friendship. You need both. Yeah. That was, um, in my memoir, I make this, um, I, I talk about my list for not telling. Did you have lists for reasons to tell and reasons not to tell? Yeah, did you ever make sure. that list of girls? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I have it. And, and um, the list was like, no one will believe me. Yep. They'll blame me. Yeah. Um, the whole town will shun our family. That's right. um, yeah. My father will lose his job. This person mm -hmm. would go to jail. Yeah. I didn't want the person to go to jail. I just wanted the abuse to stop. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then it was so pathetic in the reasons I should tell column. There was one thing <laughs> I want it to stop. It'll stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, and you, I just thought you stole my okay, diary. <laughs> the, the reasons to not tell list is this long. Still the reasons long. to tell list is one line long. Maybe I'm not maybe uh, me breaking silence isn't worth it. Right. Yeah. That's why I told myself, well, I'll just keep going through this till I'm 18 and then it'll have to stop then. So you didn't tell friends either. I didn't tell friends. I didn't tell. Nope. Tell me, I want to know why you didn't tell. You just named it. You just read a page out okay. of my diary. Okay. It was all the same. All the things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also- I was pretty sure that it was my fault too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. And I would get in yes. trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I also, um, I was like, I don't want people to look at me with pity in their eyes. 
I don't want no boy. I don't want any boy to say, mm, yeah. not asking her out because she's that girl exactly. who had that yeah. situation. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, you are afraid that everything will change. Yeah. And the only thing you yeah. want to change is you want it to stop. But you know that that's not the only thing that will change. Yeah. So you stay silent until you can't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the fact that people, the average age, did I say this? The average age is 56. To disclose, to tell. Yeah. I just saw that on Instagram, uh, childabuse.org, or I I forget what it is. People don't disclose until they feel safe. That's right. Sometimes that feels like a pretty safe age. Sometimes this is my heart. Often it's when the offender passes away. Dies. That makes sense. Yeah. Gosh, your situation. Holy cow. Because in your young girl mind, you, did you desire consequences for him? Yes. After I told, yes. After I did, but before I, I just wanted to tell somebody and I wanted yeah. to stop. I didn't want there to be any consequences for him. But I, but then I, once I remember I you did, saying like, you're like, dang, he took the easy way out. Yes. And he didn't have to face, like, I'm stuck with the blaring of our ugly truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did want, I did want there to be justice. Yeah. I didn't yes. want him to face pain. But I wanted, I wanted him to admit it and I wanted yes. there to be some sort of a punishment to where he knew that he really was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say something um, like part of my, I, I don't know if this is ever entered into your counseling and it might be some on in someone else's circumstance who's listening. Did you have any negative feelings towards your mom for not seeing sooner or protecting you better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you look back and it's just like, really that many years you didn't see it was right under your own roof. You were there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And once I became a a mother, once I became a mother and mama bear is so dang fierce. That's right. I'm like, I would have seen it in your behavior, seen it in your pissy, missy tone. I, ah, oh my gosh. I read the the signs of child sexual abuse. I was a bastard child. Yeah. Yeah. But my mom, yes, my mom had um, psychiatric issues. So yeah, there, she was deep in her own pain, deep in her own mess. Um, I've learned in, in my crone years to have compassion for her, but man, early on. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a both and because it's, you know, part of the healing is like, they did the best with what they knew or what they had. And there's, you know, generational trauma or there's, you know, they're living with an abuser. Abusers are good at silencing everybody and tricking everybody. So there's all of that, that they, you know, you do have compassion, but then it's also like, but what about little me? Like she really deserved for someone to see these, these signs, to ask a question, to notice, to be the mom I am, you know? Um, 
I will say, I love the story where you talk about the year 12 and you tell all at church camp. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is extraordinary. That is extraordinary. I salute you for that. Um, <laughs> so I was probably mid thirties and all, oh my goodness, all along, like, I was like, this mess is going to be my message. Mm. I feel it intuitively in my spirit, women's intuition, gut. It's, it's just going to be the story of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I approached women's ministry at my church at the time, big church, and um, said, anytime you have an event that you would like to highlight different people's circumstance. So they put together an event with um, me and two other ladies that had some heavy stuff. And um, so I told my story to 300 women and that what happened to you, um, the people come up yeah. or they email later right. or they pull you aside two Sundays later. Yes. But I had this very interesting thing happen. I had a woman come up and she said, it didn't happen to me. It happened um, in my house with my children. Oh, yeah. I, golly, the, mm-hmm. the courage for her to be yeah. so honest with me. Yeah. But I would say um, if there's anybody listening that has had that happen in their house, mm-hmm. the one thing I desired for my mom and Nicole, I don't know if your mom has done this, I wanted my mom to accept responsibility that yeah. this happened on her watch. Yep. I just wanted her to say, I'm so sorry yeah. that it happened to you. I'm so sorry. I missed it. I, um, I dropped the ball, whatever cliche you want to use, but yes. if it, if and it then happened, to stop talking, <laughs> like say the apology, yes. admit how horrible and wrong, and then don't say anything else. Like then don't say why, or don't defend it or explain yourself. Like, like just there's a period at the end and just let it settle. (laughs) Yes. That's really, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I ever wanted was some, yeah. I I let my dad off the hook. I don't know why, but I was Mm. always, but also I would say if you're, um, if you experience, um, I call it a hair trigger anger, um, or you feel like you have anger issues, um, little things just throw you really off balance. Um, kind of sit with yourself and, and think about, you know, could this be the right reason why I saw this um, meme one time and it said anger and hurt hold hands. So anger is often rooted in hurt or a childhood wound, mm-hmm. um, domestic violence, physical, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, um, hypervigilance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can't sleep, deep sleep. Um, right. Because, yeah, you're afraid it's going to happen again or you have to sit in a restaurant facing the door in case they walk in. Um, what are some other things? Yeah. Like, you know, um, what just popped up for me when you said that about anger? Um, I talk about this in unleash too. It's the idea that, um, if I sit with my anger long enough, I realize her real name is grief. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a good one. And it it really kind of shows you where it's coming from. And that's what you have to dig into beneath the anger, right? Yes. But we should be angry at what happened to us. But when it's like who we are as adults, no, 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 no. Let's really get beneath that and see like, because what you have to to grieve, what you have to grieve, I don't know. Um, oh my goodness. I used to go like to sleepovers at other people's house. Yeah. And their families were like functional. Oh, I wish Mary was and, here. She loves know, talking about like stuff. the Waltons and everybody like, good night, John boy. Good night. <laughs> you know, and they'd hug each other and they'd say, I love you. Yeah. And I just, uh, I like got a big chubby straw and just slurped it up. I just, I loved that. Um, family vacations were opposite. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, like when it was, um, I, I knew that I would be in a different place than the offender. So I felt safer Mm. on, um, family vacations where you felt more at risk. Yes. Yeah. Cause my offender yeah, had me away. Yeah. Separate you and isolate yeah. you. That's so funny. Mary, I wish she was here. She always talks about how, when she was little, she would, um, her and her brother would drive around at, at like winter time when it was Christmas and they would just like look in the windows of like other families and just like dream about how perfect it was inside. <laughs> Like yeah. at night when the lights are on, the yeah. curtains are open. Oh, that always breaks my heart. But I get, I totally get what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you just, you, you just want to be, yeah. When you talk Meanwhile, about everybody's got their problems, but you think yeah. what's going on here isn't going on anywhere else. You feel so alone. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when you talked about grief, that's what I was going to say. Gosh, I, I think I put this in a blog, blog post. Um, you have to I always say expectations are everything. Mm -hmm. And when they're not met, you, um, you're either sad or mad, um, resentful. And so I think you, we have, I think every child is born with an expectation of having a beautiful childhood, a safe childhood, parents that will protect them, um, and see to all their needs. And then, um, when, especially, I I guess any child sexual abuse, but especially when it's familial, Mm -hmm. that dream is blown up. Yeah. So you have to grieve the childhood you never had. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. 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 I do think part of the healing journey includes grieving the losses Grieving what yes. could have been, grieving what your dreams were for your childhood, and yeah. then setting yourself up to dream now, to to have compassion on your younger self and say, you deserve more than that. And what can I do for you now? So I think a lot, even in our Unleash group, we do, we talk about, you know, what did you love as a child? You know, what was your favorite snack? What was your favorite activity? Um, favorite color, favorite book, favorite movie. And then like we make space in our adult lives to do those things again and to find enjoyment so that, you know, you can reconnect with the parts that were you 
apart from your trauma. And that's been really healing for me. And I think for a lot of the survivors in our community is to stay in touch with our younger self and, um, and then begin to dream for here forward, you know, to be creative in our minds and imagine, you know, what could life be like? It's not stuck back there. We can grieve all that. And then we can open our minds up to what is possible. Yes. Can I ask you about the Unleashed group? What does that look like? Are you Zooming with eight ladies? Are you leading That's with it. another facilitator? What? Tell me what it, the experience is yeah. like. Well, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it's a small group, but we max out at eight each time. And it's also an eight-week course. So we have videos each week. I'm like a host of on these videos. I have tons of my survivor friends on it, sharing their stories and different parts of their healing journey, the good, bad, the ugly. And so each week is its own sort of topic. They watch the video on their own. And then there's journal prompts. There's an ebook of journal prompts. You kind of personalize the content and just kind of work through that yourself. And then we meet once a week for an hour over zoom and we discuss the topics and it's me and one of my, um, closest friends that's a trauma therapist as well so she and I lead the group and it's so amazing like these are like my new best friends all of them. like we have so much fun it's so meaningful it's like the one time every week you can just put your bags down take your mask off show up as you are say everything you can't tell anybody else and and then we just kind of walk away and then can't wait to meet again it's just it's a really really meaningful time um I don't know if you've ever had this thought and this ties into Unleashed. Do you ever, I am not currently in counseling, um, but sometimes I have the thought like, and you say healing is a a lifetime journey, Mm -hmm. Um, but do you ever feel like my counseling is, oh, I'm done. Like I got to the point with talk therapy that I was like, like handing over the check and like cut like making an hour in my day to go to it 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 just didn't feel like value anymore like so I ended mine but um I always wonder like every few years I'm like am I really done am I really healed so if someone has had quite a bit of counseling Mm -hmm. and doesn't cry or get super flare up when they think about the offender, could they still benefit from an unleashed group? I think it is the most beneficial because it's like, it's something new. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, let's try this thing. And because new levels of healing, right. Require new levels of trying things out. So it's just a different means. And, you know, like even right now in our group, we have two female survivors who, they came in saying, I don't know if I really belong here because I don't know if what I went through was bad enough. And now we just finished week eight and they were like, I know that I belong here. And it was so validating to hear from other survivors who I thought that's what a real survivor is. I'm not that to hear them say, I'm so sorry that you, you know, had that happen to you. And it was so validating to be in that group. Um, and then others, yeah, like you said, you know, you go through a certain therapist and you feel like, okay, like I've got what I needed from that person. And now it's time to cut that and then see what's next. I mean, I think we are all on this pilgrimage and at different places in our journey, we, you know, find therapy through 
a weekly hike in nature alone with music. And then we want to, we feel like let's find a new counselor this time. That's a good fit or support group. I think the best prescription is therapy plus a support group, plus probably medication. You know what I mean? Like do it all. Yeah. And do you run Unleashed a couple times a year? We run it ongoing. Yeah. Every season. So yeah, there's usually always one. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to give a commercial in the midst of our podcast. Yes. It's I am one voice.org. I am one voice.org and then just click on unleash and yep. We have one that's going to start here. Um, the first week of September. So it'll run September and October. I would love for you to join us. Oh yeah, I I will do it. And then if if you're okay with it, I can blog about my experience. Yes. I did that with the darkness to light training. Um, I did the baby, the baby one. It's two hours. I need to do the seven hour one. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I love to, uh, point people towards resources, especially if I have an extra and I have an email list, I can send it to them too. Okay. Uh, And I can add, I have, I don't know if you have, well, of course you have your little posse of like dozens of survivor friends. Um, but I certainly have people I could invite that I know have never done counseling. Yeah. I think this is a great step towards it. If you haven't tried yes. it, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. You're in a community with people who understand you. Yes. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've, I've never, I mean, I did um, group art therapy for, oh my gosh, that was a great story, but I'm not going to mm. tell it because it's in the memoir. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's the closest to like, mm-hmm. and a lot of survivors don't know other survivors and they don't know how to find them. So to sign up and just feel like, oh, this is, these are my people, (laughs) you know, like we're all over and you'll never see them in real life, which also is nice. Oh, right. Good point. Good point. You mentioned in a couple of your um, uh, podcast episodes, because I've been listening to all of them, Mm -hmm. um, you referenced the survivor community. Is there a place to find them? Mm. Like is where it's healthy and probably facilitated and not necessarily TMI and emotional vomiting all over the place. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. Can you start think, one? Well, you know, if you just follow a hashtag on Instagram, like you'll oh. find a lot of, you know, stories or inspiring. You'll recognize that people are in that community. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, like my Facebook page or whatever, you know, I'll post something and then survivors respond and people can communicate there. Also though, our survivor community of Unleashed, once you've completed the eight week Unleashed course, we have a private group online that then, so it's for alumni. So there's, yeah. So you, you know that you can trust these survivors because they've gone through the eight weeks with me. And now, you know, people are bringing up, oh my gosh, like, my abuser's moving back to town and I'm really feeling triggered. Like just asking you guys to pray for me. And then people will just respond with support and different things are like, Hey, I'm a mom. And like, my kid told me this, what do you think I should do? You know what I mean? It's just beautiful. Oh, but you know, it's like vetted because they've gone through two months of unleash and, and it's our people, you know, we're, we're each other's people. So for me, that's our survivor community. Yeah. Is it a certain night of the week or does the group vote? Oh, so yeah. So the next one will be Tuesday nights. Okay. I think it's like, it's like 7 PM Eastern time. So we do the one we're doing right now is a morning. So kind of just change based on the season. Um, 
yeah, kind of with whatever my schedule. And then also we just kind of change it up to get different people involved. Like a lot of people wanted to do the summer course, but I only offered it in the morning right. and they and worked. Work. Yeah. So that's why the fall ones and evening ones. So okay. those people can sign up then. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. yeah so let's stay connected. I would love for you to be a part yeah. of it. I'm really excited to share your book with everybody that I know. And, um, I'm just really thankful that you wrote it. I'm really thankful for your courage. I'm thankful that you're using your story for good. Diane, you are just such a light in this world. And it's exciting to see how your giftings are all being used to, to change everything when it comes to sexual abuse and protecting kids and, and just, you're just such a positive force. So I just thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for this book. And where do you want people to purchase this book? We're on Amazon, okay. but we prefer for people to purchase it through PayPal because we actually, um, I'm super stoked that a nonprofit in West Virginia bought 7,000 copies of the book, one for every foster child in the state because foster children are four times more at risk for child sexual abuse. Mm. Um, So we had to print physical copies. So I got lots of extras, but they're on better paper. They have better, um, they use an upgraded printing process. They're signed by Jesse and I. I put a resource in, best practices for reading the book with your child. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, financially speaking, if you sell a physical copy of the book by yourself, you earn a lot more money than if you sell it on Amazon. That's right. It's the same for any book. If you can buy it from an Mm -hmm. indie bookstore or at an author event, it's just way better for the author Mm -hmm. than um, buying it online. So so have them go to your website. um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A friend made a um, website for the book. It's a one page. And at the bottom are the PayPal instructions. Perfect. Okay. And I mail it to you and it's super cute packaging. Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes and um, make sure that everyone goes and gets it. Please, listeners, whether you're a mom or just really, honestly, everybody should get this book. It's just a beautiful way of, of just talking about the topic in a way that isn't aggressive. And I think it'll be really helpful, mostly for parents and educators, but everyone should get it. Thank you so much, Diane. This has been Thank such a lovely time. for having me on. Yeah. Looking Very forward cool. to doing more together. Definitely. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.